Hello, welcome to the BX Basketball Podcast. I'm Nick Englander here with... Paul Burry. And... Christian Okay. So we're about halfway done through the season. Not every team has played 36 games exactly, but most teams have. We're at the All-Star break in the stupidest All-Star game of all time that has already started <laughs> off with uh, COVID. And good job, Adam Silver. So through all the grades we give uh, this podcast for players and teams, we will definitely be giving Adam Silver, at least I will be giving Adam Silver an F minus because he sucks. Um, since the bubble, he's been he's been awful. Let's just be real. All right. Uh, now, uh, so each of our teams are, you know, the Nets and the Celtics standings wise are about where people expected them to be, but the uh, the Knicks are not. The Knicks are a lot higher than we thought. So we're, I guess we'll kind of go team by team and then kind of just talk about the league as a whole in the first half. Um, I guess I'll start with the Celtics. Um, you know, we started 11 and 3. <laughs> I mean, 8 and 3. And the team looked really good. Like, even without Kemba. And I was like, wow, we get Kemba back, we really might be like a championship caliber team. Which I wasn't sure we were going to be before the year. Then Tatum got COVID. And so from that, <laughs> so Kemba coming back and not looking like himself for a while did not help, obviously. But the team instantly started to play worse. Now they righted the ship a little bit. They won a back-to-back against Cleveland and Chicago. And then it, things really fell off the bus, starting with the game against the Lakers. And in the game against the Lakers, there were a lot of promising signs. That was the first time I really watched and said, all right, Robert Williams is, like, not even, like, inconsistent anymore. It's to the point with him that he's, like, a legitimate center in the NBA now. Like, he's a game-changer type center with his athletic ability. And, of course – through all the positive of that game, really, they should have beaten the Lakers. They should have. They outplayed them in the game. But, of course, Marcus Smart's calf almost goes. And since Marcus Smart's calf is gone, this team has been, to put, for lack of a better word, awful. I mean, they have been awful since Marcus Smart has gone hurt. Basically, every single game this season, outside of a game against the Raptors, the Celtics have played in a back-to-back without Kemba and Marcus Smart. They have lost basically every single time, including losing to the Hawks by 30 and letting Danilo Gallinari or the corpse of Danilo Gallinari (laughs) for almost 40 points. I am such a diehard fan of the team. I basically never turn games off early. I turned the game against the Hawks game against the Hawks off in the second quarter when they were down 68 to 41. I just said, I can't do this. I'm done. However, they've given me the worst possible thing in these past four games, and that is hope. (laughs) And the fact is, for a team that consistently, every single game, someone said it best, in clutch games, which are games decided by like six or less points, the last 13 games the Celtics played, they were 2-11. In the last four games they played, they're 4-0. I don't really know what it is. I mean, to tell you the truth, I think Kemba Walker has just played a lot better, which has helped the team. Um, I think Robert Williams has played 
I'll, like Robert Williams, I'm at the point with him that I, to me, he's been by far the best part of the season and what he's become, which I, I did not expect him to be this good. Um, but yeah, like Kem- Kemba, it's simple. Like when we were down 18 to four to Indiana, I'm like, when we we're 15, 17, I'm like, here we go again. We're going to lose another game. This season's falling off the rails. But Kemba brought us back in that game. We ended up winning it. Um, it's like the last four games were the examples of what has been the opposite of this season. For basically the whole year, the Celtics have kept it close and then found a way to lose down the stretch. And the last four games, every game was close, and they found a way to win. It's a step up. I'm not going to say like they're a contender or anything, but it's definitely a step up from what we've seen the beginning of the season. So like if I had to give a grade, I give it like a C minus. Like they they definitely aren't playing at the level they should be, but the last four games has been better. And Kemba and Robert Williams, I think, are the biggest reasons of it. And both deserve a lot of credit. And now, am I going to act like this team shouldn't make a trade? No, they absolutely should. There is no excuse to not make a trade, at least one, to this team. Because it is obvious that Tatum and Brown are asked to do too much. Tatum has been affected by COVID and is running out of gas earlier. Jalen Brown has knee tendonitis because Adam Silver's a douchebag and makes them play every single night off a shortened offseason, and now has been asked to do too much. Kemba Walker has been mostly good recently, but when he sucks, we basically have no answer because then Tatum and Brown get double teamed and we can't score. Like, Paul, we are playing the Nets right after the break. Do you realize how bad that game will be if Kemba sucks? It will oh, be awful. It's <laughs> going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> All the Nets are going to do if Kemba stinks in that game is double uh, Tatum and double Brown. Now we might get Marcus Smart back, which would be good, but it'll be his first game back in a while. So it, it, Kemba cannot suck in that game. He it, like to make it like to give an example. We played the Pelicans and we were up like twenty six points, and we were playing Oof. amazing. And then of course Kemba decides to go ice cold. Stan Van Gundy just recklessly double teams Tatum and Brown every single time, and we blew the lead. Like I, I was so mad after that game. I, I, I almost quit right there. Like, like that was almost the game that did it for me. Um, but the fact is, is that this team, they, they definitely have had moments. Uh, and it's clear when Kemba Walker plays well, they're still good. I'm not going to act like they're not a good team. But the loss of Gordon Hayward has been obvious. Because we haven't been able to sit Brown when he has knee problems and who and has affected him. It's not like he's been awful, but he's definitely not played as well as he did earlier in the season. And Tatum, who's also not played as well as he did earlier in the season, because he got COVID and he still has problems from that. We haven't been able to sit him at all because our team can't win without them. We don't have enough depth because Danny Ainge's roster isn't good enough. So you have to go out and get somebody, at least one player for this team. And if they don't, then they're probably going to lose in the first or second round. I, I, they just like I'm just very like upset with this roster. Now some of the players just that haven't been playing well just played better. Like I said, Tristan Thompson uh, has played better in the last month. Um, Jeff, T- that is, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> that is no, no, no. This is the biggest shock of the four game win streak by far, and that is that Jeff Teague has not been bad at all. Jeff Teague. Hit the, basically the floater against Toronto in the last game that sealed the game and had like 13 points against the Pacers. 
and I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, am I watching a different player? Is there an imposter in for Jeff Teague right now? Am I really watching the guy who was airballing layups just like three weeks earlier and made me, made me want to cut him for Isaiah Thomas, who is – Oh, my God, I, dude. <laughs> I, love, I love Isaiah. I'll always love Isaiah for what he did here, but I fully acknowledge that the guy is probably cooked. Let's be real. Um but to act, am I happy with this season so far? No, of course I'm not. I mean, I was mad at Brad Stevens earlier in the year. I think he's been way better the last four games. It's it's pretty clear he's been getting on guys more. And I sent you guys this video, but but the Wizards have won seven of eight and ran the same play that beat the Nuggets against us. And I got to give Brad massive credit because he knew that play was coming. And he told Tatum to like not switch. He told Shemi Ojale to double, and it worked perfectly. And double teamed him, and he missed at the end. Like that was great coaching. I'll give it up to Brad. That was great coaching. The last four games, he's been better. The last four games, the team has been better. But basically, what those last four games did, it didn't really like solve the season. It just saved the season <laughs> because we were so close to full on implosion, and. Thank God they cut their heads out of their asses, especially Jeff Teague, who I wanted banned to Siberia for the season. Like, I guess the point is, is that when I say I'm happy, no, I'm not happy. But when I say I'm feel better than a lot better than what I did earlier, yeah, because they're doing things they're not they weren't doing earlier, which is simple. They're finding ways to win. They're not finding ways to lose. We got lucky with injuries and the Wizards blowing the game, but at the end of the day, they won. They're in fourth. It could be a lot worse than that. So we got the Nets out of the break. That's going to be a big test for us. I'm always worried about this All-Star game because last All-Star game, we played Kemba too much. His knee flared up. He missed three weeks. So I'm just hoping that Jalen and Tatum get out of this healthy and not get COVID due to uh, – Due to, I've heard some people throw off, throw out their eight off silver. I don't know if I. Can oh my god! But, but it's definitely not good. Uh, what he's doing, I think ever anyone would agree with that. Um, but yeah, that's basically where I'm at right now. I'm not a hundred percent happy. Danny Ainge has to make moves. If he does not make moves, I will call for his job. At that point, I will be fully on the. He doesn't have what it takes. And it's time to get rid of him. Like we can't bank on Bradley Beal or someone like that becoming available uh, or a star in the off season. Jeremy Grant. Oh yeah. One thing I, I'm sorry. I'm rambling, but to, to go quickly, um, the names that were thrown out there were Jeremy Grant and Kola Vucevic. I don't think either are realistic. I think that was just kind of a leverage leak because I think the, I think the team wants Harrison Barnes. I think that's the guy they've, pretty much always wanted. That's what Brian Scalabrini said with the, the Gordon Hayward trade exception. But, I mean, at the end of the day, if you can't get Barnes and the Kings are that delusional that you want to keep them, you got to get someone else. you got to help this team. They're just clearly not a championship team right now. They're not a team that can – their ceiling is probably the Eastern Conference Finals, but I don't even think they'll get that far without a trade. So it, the point is that we can't look at the Brooklyn Nets getting James Harden and then just be like, all right, we're going to roll down and die, guys. Good season. We have two superstars, but, yeah, it's not worth it. If we do that, then I'll be like, all right, Danny, there's the door. Get out. <laughs> so, 
that's where I'm at right now. Uh, one of you guys, I guess, Paul, since you uh, you were second to introduce in this podcast, uh, you could start with the the Nets and how they've been. Oh man, I mean, what where do I start? Everything that people said that could go wrong with the Nets just has not been the case over the past like month plus. Um, the defense has been like league average for the past 10 or so games, which is all you really need when you have an offense that's like the top offense or one of the top offenses in the league. Um, Kyrie has not, uh, you know, destroyed the team. <laughs> um, he's the, all the concerns over, you know, who's going to have the ball. There's only one ball to go around. They've been sharing it perfectly fine. I remember there was one clip, you know, Kyrie is saying to James Harden, like, you play point guard, I'm just going to play shooting guard. So they, they're they working on that chemistry. Uh, it's The offense is working like a well-oiled machine. Um, Bruce Brown is the NBA's best center, I guess. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I mean, it's just incredible like how many open baskets he's getting at the rim. Um, DeAndre Jordan is looking like an NBA caliber player and we might get Blake Griffin to add to the meme team. So <laughs> everything's, everything's on the up and up, you know, I mean, it's been, it's been on cloud nine over in Brooklyn. It's just been, they've answered all the critics questions. The only thing that's left is how are they going to handle, you know, the playoffs? Uh, but you know, we just like swept, you know, one of the divisions in the West, which hasn't been done in like, you know, decades from some post I saw on Reddit. Um, oh yeah. And Kevin Durant has played about one game in the past month. So that's, that's the craziest thing, man. They're nine and one in the past 10 games. I think KD, I don't know if I think he, KD was out for all of them or or he missed one of them. It's just insane how they've managed to get everything working. I love it. No complaints from me. <laughs> I will say this. The game coming out of the break, I mean, I'd be shocked if Katie doesn't play against us. One thing I will say, um, I do think that, you know, I talked about Robert Williams before, uh, mm-hmm. and he does have an artery condition, which is why, for now, they're keeping his minutes down. But I think that is the game where you have to play. To have a chance against Brooklyn, you have to play a guy like Robert Williams as much as possible. Because the loss of Jared Allen, that's, I think, the one thing you could take advantage of them on, especially on defense, is that because Robert Williams is like the highest offensive rebounding rate in the league since simply from jumping higher than everyone else. And he can switch on the perimeter on a guy like Jeff Green, right? Like, I I watched the Nets the last few weeks and just said, wow, like, yeah, like they really look like that team. They, I, I mean, to be honest with you, with the AD Achilles situation, it's, it's hard to trust the Lakers right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're, uh, we don't know what that's going to happen. I mean, he almost blew it out. I mean, if if if, if AD blew out his Achilles, the Lakers oh. out of the title at that point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just hard to not watch the Nets and say like, yeah, they've looked about as good as you can expect. Now, Blake Griffin. I mean, there's oh no, my god, <laughs> there's, there's no real point in adding him. He doesn't really do anything and yeah. like add to the team. It's just kind of like you said, it's kind of a luxury at this point. It kind of feels like a signing that the players maybe want more than Sean Marks, but yeah. I have I don't know. I mean, you know, people can question like, well, how much effort is he really giving playing in Detroit because they're a crappy team? But like, 
that doesn't change the fact that his knees are gone. I don't think he's attempted a dunk all season. Yeah. He's shooting. Oh, like, no, Paul, he can't. I, we, I was watching a preseason game with him, and he had, like, a yeah. fast break, and he just laid it up. Like, he doesn't have the bounce he has anymore. Yeah. Like, he, would fit, he would fit perfectly, and then that's as, like, a high potential but, like, high risk of injury. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Dude, he could put up points still, but, like, he's always hurt. So it's just, like... To add him, you want to run him as your sixth man, good God almighty. And, you know, you don't need enough scoring already. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would rather, you know, save that roster spot for someone, you know, maybe trade for Javon McGee. Just get someone who can help a little more with the rim protection. But, I mean. Yeah. It's, like I said, the defense has been average, you know, recently. And we got Nick Claxton back recently, who could be. I don't know. Some people are saying maybe he's got Jared Allen level potential. We'll see where that goes. I'm but... very curious to see how he does against against Robert Williams because I think those two are going to be matched up against each other. And like in yeah, Claxton has actually been like when I was watching you guys play. I, I want to say it was Phoenix. It, it was someone you know. I was just watching because the Nets were on, and I was like, okay, I'll watch. And Claxton was getting like layup after layup, and I was like, Jesus Christ, dude! Like they. Oh, the Spurs. I think it was against the Spurs. And, yeah, like, he just kept getting, like, easy layup after easy layup. I'm like, dude, this offense just creates the easiest looks. In fact, one of the craziest stats I've ever seen was, up until this point, Joe Harris is shooting 60% on open catch and threes, shoot threes. Yeah, he has 60. been. 60! Like, I don't, know, I don't know how I forgot to mention Joe Harris. He's been, I mean, he he would be in the three-point contest if he just wanted to be there. It's just, he has been lights out. And yeah, like, all, all the criticism that, well, I mean, it wasn't that much criticism, but people are saying like, oh, Joe Harris got an overpay or whatever. I mean, he's been paying it back in, div- in dividends, you know, it's been, he's been sensational. And you know what's crazy? You guys are, you guys don't have Dinwiddie. <laughs> Imagine if you guys had yeah. Dinwiddie. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I heard, I heard they might trade his salary, uh, which would make sense. I mean, he's probably going to try to opt out and get a big contract in the off season. Um, but yeah, like, it's like I said, like, if you want to compete with the Nets, who to me are definitely the team to beat, um, in the East right now, but like a lot of people say Philly, Philly, I think a crazy stat I heard about Philly was they've beaten less teams that are over 500 than the Celtics. So like they really, they had one great win against Utah where Embiid had to make a, basically a desperation three. And let's be re- let's be real. The refs gave Philly all the calls in that game and Philly still barely <laughs> survived. Um, but I, I'm not scared of the Sixers by any means. Like, like guys, I've kind of said it to like my friends, but I would rather I would if I'm the Celtics in terms of seeding. As long as you keep winning at a decent rate, I would do everything you can to try to avoid the Nets until the conference finals. Because I still feel extremely confident that we we would beat the Sixers because we always beat the Sixers. We own them. We always do. They've had uh, they've had five chances to beat. Uh, them. Look at the like, subtle jabs he's no, throwing no, on the man, podcast. <laughs> they've had five chances since 1982. Five chances to beat us in a playoff series. They have lost every single time, including when they had Allen Iverson. And the last oh. time was a sweep. So it I, I call me. Call me naive, but I'm still not worried about them. Um, although they've had a very good season, um, but yeah, I do, I just don't really see like the Nets. Like the Nets could add Andre Drummond on buyout. I don't really see what Andre Drummond adds much to them. I get he's a center, but like he he isn't like look at his finishing numbers, dude. He's like the worst finisher in the league at center. Like I don't he's really big think, though. 
Yeah, like he he, he can dominate. He can dominate. Like he was dominating Mitchell Robinson and Noel when he was playing against us, but that's because he's so fucking fat. Yeah, or big. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry, just, Andre Jones. When the Celtics played the Cavs, the Celtics ran pick and roll at him every single time, and Tice had like 15 open dunks because of he. I I it don't really sucks. understand. Like like Blake Griffin, like adds at least with with Blake, he can stretch the floor. So like if he right. does work, like you, he can hit threes and like facilitate. But like with Drummond, like is he really? I guess he adds a body, but like is that really going to add much? I don't really think so. It's like it's like Paul, you said. I think Javale McGee makes a lot more sense because at least he yeah. can spend a little bit. Yeah. Um, and it, it is like a, he's he's a foul magnet. McGee's always been a foul magnet, so he can take the fouls. That would be uh for Katie, Kyrie, and James Harden. Um, but yeah. I mean, like, I'm very, I'm very curious to see how the Celtics do against the Nets in the game after the All-Star break. If we even, like, compete with you guys, like, if we're, like, right there at the end, then I, if I'm Danny, I don't see any reason why I wouldn't be as aggressive as possible to help the team. Because I'm not saying you'll make you favorites over Brooklyn, but you should at least fucking try. <laughs> like, sorry. Right. For Celtics 10, I'm sick of not trying. <laughs> and in previous years, in previous years, we didn't have tradable salaries. We have a trade exception now. That's twenty-eight million dollars. We are nineteen million under the hard cap, so we would have to move a salary to get a Harrison Barnes. But who cares? Move Romeo Langford or Aaron's. Okay, I'm talking about the Celtics too much. But we should get Harrison Barnes if he's available. And, and the Kings are delusional enough to keep him. Then I will be fierce. Uh, Christian, I know your grade yes. next season will be an A plus. <laughs> uh, um <What>? yes <laughs> no um okay so obviously and i think i said on the podcast like when we did our season previews like i thought this team was gonna i thought their ceiling was 25 wins like i i'm going into it i was like listen this is a rebuild i don't know how to feel about tibbs you know we had some young guys uh like maybe we should trade julius randall get some more assets for him we're gonna be terrible uh and if you told me if you told me last year, before you know, before the season was stopped because of the pandemic, if you told me, hey, Christian, uh, by by the end of by by half by the half of next year, the Knicks are going to be uh, nineteen and eighteen, have an All Star, be the fifth seed in the Eastern Conference, have cap space, and still have all their picks, I'd laugh right at your fucking face. <laughs> I mean, the turnaround for this team now is amazing. Now it could be smoke and mirrors. I mean, our next four games. After the All Star break, it is like horrible. We have yeah, to play the next, the next second half schedule is brutal. brutal. In the league, our first four games are we're at Milwaukee, at OKC, at Brooklyn, and at Philadelphia. So uh, I don't know how long we'll be in the fifth seed, <laughs> but uh, but I can't complain, man. I mean, the improvement from Julius Randle has been incredible, and. He's really been an all-star, and, you know, in, in the Player Tribune, he talked about how, like, he was struggling last year, man. We were booing the shit out of him. Every game, people were booing him. I, I The fucking the post on Julius Randle, they were calling him Julius No-Handle Randle. I mean, he was just terrible. He was terrible last year, and he was trying to play off of the big contract that he got. And I don't know, just something happened this year where he's just got so much better I think that the move we made in the offseason were not sexy, but they're serviceable. I mean, Burks, Noel, getting veterans like Taj and training for Derrick Rose has been great. It, it really has been. And although Obi Toppin has been struggling and he's kind of looks, he looks lost out there, 
I still see moments where I'd be like, yeah, this guy is definitely an NBA player. Like, he, he's got he's some moves. He's a rookie. Exactly. Yeah, I'm exactly. not really much into that yet. Right. And the reason people are being so hard on him is because fucking Emmanuel quickly has been an absolute steal. I mean, he's been incredible. I, yeah. I couldn't believe it because, like, he played one preseason game and he – and I don't know if I told you guys or not, but I was like, yeah, this kid is not ready. He's like – I thought he was going to be like a two-year project, and I don't know what the hell happened, but he just came in the league, and he's just lighting shit up. And, of course, you know, he's a rookie. He has his games where he plays terrible, but, dude, I don't have any complaints. RJ has been great. You know, we've, we've had some injuries to Mitchell Robinson and Alfred Payton, but guys like Frank and, and, and you know, Noel have stepped up. It's, it's been really refreshing, and it's exciting because usually at this point for the last like eight years, I've already stopped watching because it's just so bad and brutal and people are being thrown out of the garden because they are killing James Dolan to sell the team. And, you know, I, I, I don't want to say the P word, which is playoffs, but <laughs> if that's a possibility, I, I don't know how I, I don't know how you can't say this is not an A plus for the Knicks first half. I mean, it's been incredible. It really has been incredible. And, you know, the, the rumors are already starting about us getting a superstar, and I don't want to hear that right now. I just want to watch this team, which they're fun to watch, man. Like, I don't know if you guys, you guys haven't been watching them, obviously, but man. I watched them a little bit. Listen, even there's, there's, there's a lot of, like, holes with this team. You know, we're not perfect, obviously. We're, we're not, like, the championship contenders, obviously, but they're fun to watch, man, and their bench gets excited, and... I'm just happy for the first time in a long time. Like, Nick, you asked me a couple of days ago, or maybe it was like a week ago, like, when's the last time you were happy to watch the Knicks or excited to watch a team? And I said, like, it has to have been, like, insanity. <laughs> like, that's how long it's been. The 50-win team was fun, but they had their moments where they, like, pissed me off, obviously. And, like, you know, a couple of the Porzingis years were okay, but, it, like, the juice just dried up on them early. Like, this team, the whole year has been fun to watch. Yeah, so so I, I, I'm excited, I man. That, I mean, listen, the Knicks have the lowest payroll in the league this season at 95.8 million, and um, you know, some of the signings haven't really done much. Like you, like you said, Austin Rivers has been basically a non-factor. Um, but the, Noel, I think, has been a really good signing. Um, who else am I? Yeah, like you mentioned, uh, Burks. Burks. Burks has been. Derek Rose. Solid, Taj Gibson. They got. You got Derrick Rose with a Charlotte second, so like that's gonna be like a mid second, so that's like whatever. Um, also, yeah. are we gonna? Yeah, uh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm just gonna say like we've, you know, all of this has been said, and we completely skipped over how the Knicks have like one of the best defenses in the league. Yeah, so there's the season. Oh, Thibodeau's dude. done a great job on that end. Oh man, and it's you're absolutely right, Paul. It's funny because you have like players. Like, Dame was like, we had beat them in the garden. And Dame was saying, did you see how they were, like, trapping us hard? It's like, dude, the one thing, we don't have the offensive talent to compete with the elite teams. But, goddamn, they compete hard every night, especially on the defensive end. They make it hard for people. And that's that's just, this is a corny thing to say, that's typical Knicks basketball that, like, us fans like to see. Like, we want to see you bust your ass out there. Yeah, you might not be the most talented, the most skilled. But dive on the floor, go under, go over screens, like hit somebody. <laughs> and this team is doing that, and it's fun. And again, like I said, they have a great chemistry. You know, I know you're gonna, you're, it's, it's funny because 
I said to my brother, this team reminds me a lot of the 15, 16 Celtics and the and the 18, 19 Nets and that, you know, both of those teams, all three of these teams, the, the Celtics that year, the Nets that year, and uh, and the Knicks this year all had one all-star. And one and that one all-star was a guy who overachieved, Isaiah Thomas, D'Angelo Russell, and uh, – wait, D'Angelo Russell was an all-star, right? I'm not remembering yeah. that wrong. Yeah, yeah, he was an all-star, yeah. yeah. And, and Julius Randle. Uh, and all three of those guys, not only did they overachieve, but all three of those guys were surrounded by guys that were not really like stars, but guys that work hard and just kind of do their job. Like, and also – those teams, all three of those teams attracted max free agents just years later, one year later. Like, that's why for the Knicks, like, I like the strategy that they're taking. Like, it, it just it makes sense because no free agent wants to go to a tanking team anymore. OK, that's just a fact. The team like, you know, we talked about stars, you know, could go there. Um they meant, you know, Bradley Beal is just such a pipe dream at this point because it seems like. No, I don't think. The, yeah, I don't think. I don't the think he's gonna leave. Him. I don't think he's gonna leave anyway. You know, and a lot of people brought up the Celtics with him because of Jason Tatum and how that those two have grew up together. But I'm like, even so, even if he wants him to come, like it's just like, if Bradley Beal wanted to go, he would have gone by now. That's how I view it. Like it's just not gonna right. happen. Um. But he wouldn't have extended his contract. He had no reason to do that unless he wanted to stay in Washington. Um, but Devin Booker, I mean, he's on a great Phoenix team. I don't see that. Like, the point is the media should stop focusing on that and focus on the fact that this Knicks team is a solid team. And I think that they may, they may, yeah, like I said, that schedule may catch up to them and they may fall in the playoffs. But, I mean, I think, I think, you know, it's, it's, what we've seen, they're at very least going to be in the mix, and I think that's going to be enough to attract players. That's going to be attract, whether they're stars or not. You know, even if they're just good players, you know, uh, there there may not be like like let's say like Christian. I'm not saying the Knicks will sign him, right? But mm-hmm. let's say like John Collins, right? A guy like that, you sign him. He's a good player. He'll help your team. He's young. I'm not saying the Knicks will do it, but I'm just saying like. A player of that caliber, even if you don't get an all-star, will help the team down the line. And and players like that will be attracted to New York if they keep playing like this and the talent level will keep getting better and better. Now, from this current team, you mentioned Emmanuel quickly. Um, I just want to say that he is the best floater I've ever seen. Like, he literally <laughs> does not miss. I, Rob Perez. He's been, missing, he's been missing recently, though. Oh, really? But, uh, yeah, but, but you know what's funny? Like, um... Julius Randle was on JJ Reddick's podcast, and he was saying how they make fun of him because it's like such an old man <laughs> floater. Like they're like, dude, it, you, it has no business going in, and, and dude, he's just automatic with it, dude. It's crazy. It's like, I, like against you guys, he he must have floated up like seven times. I swear, he hit all seven, dude. Yeah, no, he he killed us the entire game. Um, and you know, it's like, it, it's. It's Emmanuel quickly. He probably won't be rookie of the year because of Hal Burton, but the fact that he's even in that is pretty amazing. Uh, and like you said, it, it's kind of a situation with the Knicks with the Celtics in that the top rookie for Aaron Neesmith for you guys, Obi Toppin, has been outplayed by the rookie pick second in the first round. That's Payton Pritchard for you, uh, Emmanuel quickly. Um, but like, it, it's just crazy. Like, He's a guy that, you know, he kind of gives off like a Lou Williams vibe to me. I know there was that clip of him yes. talking to Lou about how, you know, he was his idol and stuff. 
But yeah. he's potentially even better. I mean, he's a taller player than Lou Williams is. He probably is going to be a better defender, I would guess. Um, you know, he's got like a he's he's got like a six eleven wingspan. Which there was one game in Atlanta. I'm sorry, I don't want to like go into super detail here, but we were up, I think, like two, and Trey Young had the ball, and IQ stripped he stripped uh, Trey Young driving to the rim, and I was like, wow, like I saw the potential there. And God, that sounds so corny. <laughs> no, but like. You know, Nick, like, here's the thing. Yes, we can attract a free agent. I'm not holding my breath on it because, you know, you got to pick the right guy. You know, you can't – I don't want them to sign, like, Oladipo. I would rather no, have them – No, that would be a terrible move. Right. I want them to, like, go after – I want them to go big game hunting if, if, you know, they can continue at this pace. But the thing is, like, hey, if nobody is available and let's say they do make the playoffs – I'm, I want to see what a Julius Randle, what an R.J. Baird, what these guys do in the playoffs because I think that's important to the future of this team. And, yes, I can't believe I'm talking about the future of the Knicks. Because, like, yo, if R.J. Baird and, like, Julius Randle and the other young guys play well in the playoffs, then you know, like, hey, we can build around these guys maybe and get a guy here. If they struggle, then, you know, maybe you move them for, like, a Bradley Beal if that ever becomes available. So, I just think they're in they're in a really good spot right now where it's like you can you you can like mess around and see what you have. But yeah, like it, I, I will say this: the Knicks should not be trading any picks that aren't second round picks to improve the team right now. That's my opinion because like you're still not at a point that you have in a like a top ten guy. So right. if, if you're in that case, like I look at Julius Randle right now, if he if this is what he is the rest of his career. That to me, he's still not a number one on a championship team. So he's like a number two, maybe number three. Yeah, like so you you should hold all your current like first rounders if you want to improve the team, like for a big star. But if you want to make moves around, like I, I like the Derrick Rose move because they gave up basically nothing. They gave up the two Charlotte second round picks they had. Like who cares? You know, Charlotte. Right. Charlotte's a decent team this year, so I don't think that's a big deal at all. Um. But yeah, like it's it's um it, it's the Knicks are a team that's in a very good spot cap wise. They're they basically have all the cap space in the world. There's no real outside of Kawhi, there's no free agent that's gonna be a star. So I mean they probably won't use much of it this offseason, at least except on like one year deals. But Which is fine. I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah, like that's totally okay. You could just keep rolling the cap space back. Now uh, I do wonder a few things with them, um, and that is is that what is R.J. Barrett going to be? That's a gr- that's a great question, and what he is now, it's like I saw that stat where when R.J. Barrett has a plus plus minus, the Knicks mm-hmm. win have, are undefeated. They're like eighteen and zero or some shit. Like that's Crazy. unbelievable, um, and it kind of feels like the Knicks this year have kind of pl- played. I don't know, Christian, you you. you you know this better than me, but it feels like when RJ plays well, the Knicks play well, and when he plays poorly, the Knicks play poorly. I don't know if that's a crazy thing. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And and the thing with RJ is, like, he's still I, – I think he's the youngest Knicks still. So, I mean, he still has room to grow. But the thing that strikes me about him is, like, he's very – I don't want to say polished, but he still has a lot of work to do shooting-wise. But if he – if he is hitting his threes and he's hitting his mid-range, he's already almost unstoppable driving to the rim. 
and he's a good passer. Like, he's willing to pass it. He's throwing a bunch of lobs. He makes good passes. If he actually gets his jump shot consistent, he's going to be very tough to guard. But, you know, I, I think he's more of, like, a, a your second best option. I don't know if he's ever going to be, like, a number one. But I don't know. I, you know, he's he's been playing well. Like, he's been playing well recently. Of course, he's had his struggles, but... Him and Julius Randle have been forming chemistry, though, is what I've noticed. And when those two guys play together, I don't want to say we're unstoppable, but they make everybody else better around them, which is, like, perfect. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. For me, I, 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 I'm, I'm, like, I'm the, like, anti-Nick fan of, like, I, I want patience. Like, I want to see what RJ is in, like, next year. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't like you know rush to trade him or anything like that. Like I said, I, if we do make the playoffs, I want to see what he does, and I think you should determine that. You should determine if you want to keep him or trade him off of the playoffs if we do make it. Um, but yeah, RJ has been improving his jump shot, which is good. He's been making his threes a lot more consistently because he started the year, he missed his first twenty-one threes, <laughs> and ever since that point, I think he's. I think he's shooting like forty percent from three, which is pretty decent. That's not bad. Yeah, that's not bad at all. Um, yeah, RJ. Yeah, like listen, RJ. RJ. You know, I almost think like RJ Barrett has flown under the radar this year. I know it's kind of crazy to say, but let's be real. The Atlantic Division has some of the best wings in the league. Like basically, yes. all of them are in the Atlantic Division outside of LeBron and Kawhi. Like. In terms of best wing, you have Kevin Durant, you have Jason Tatum, you have Ben Simmons. Like, all three of those guys are in the, the same division. And Barrett's in there, and a lot of people, I feel like, don't kind of think about him because he's in a division where right. there's so many other players that are good at his position as well. And well, you know what yeah. right now. You know what else it is too, Nick? It's And this isn't really RJ's fault, but he's going to be compared to his draft class because – Ja and Zion are just so fucking good. And he's, I think he will be good too, but he's like a, he's, to me, I think he's going to be like a late developer. Like you're not going to see him, you're not going to see him putting up Zion and John numbers until maybe his like fourth year. And in this league, I think we're, I think teams get very impatient with young guys because they want, they want them to be like the stars of the team after at age 20. And it's like, that's not how it is. I mean, Bradley Beal, yeah, he's, he's leading the league in scoring, but this is his, what, seventh year? It took him some time. I mean, you saw flashes of it, but that's the thing about, uh, that's the, thing about the NBA is like, you got to be patient with these young guys. And I think RJ, he's, he's like motivated off of the fact that, first of all, he was a snub last year on the rookie team. And that, you know, people are people are not acknowledging him because Zion and Ja are so much better than him right now. And I think he's he's motivated off of that. That's what I love about RJ is that he's very, very he's very like he works hard and he he has that game face every game. Like you can't tell that he's rattled or he's lost confidence. He just poker face you really hard. <laughs> and that's what I love about RJ. It's like, dude, he He's, he works very hard, and the, a bunch of the guys work hard. And Julius Randle said it, too, on JJ's podcast. He was like, dude, I'm usually the first guy in the gym, and when I go, you know, Kevin Knox is in there quickly, OB, RJ, all the young guys, Frank, they're all in the gym before he's even there. And it's like, well, you see, hard work can pay off, even if you don't have talent. You know, if you bust your ass, you can still win games in this league. 
And Andre's um, only twenty. Like he's got plenty. It right. doesn't. It doesn't make any sense to write the guy off right now. He's right. nothing that bad. Listen, like I said, he's 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 not quite polished at offensively. Like he still does a lot of like, like he doesn't have like moves yet. But you can see, you can see the potential of a guy who's going to be a good player. Mm-hmm. And I just think the Knicks should just wait with it. I'll wait with him. You know, he's still on his rookie contract too. And again, like I said, you know, if we make the playoffs, that's where we got to see what he does. But I'm very, I'm very high on RJ. I mean, I love RJ. I love this. I love everybody on this team. They're just fun to watch. Like I keep saying, the 46th time I've said it. And the, <laughs> the, the last thing I'll say though, and you know. Uh, what the hell, what's that saying? Oh, I forgot what the saying is, but you should never, I'll just say, you should never judge a trade immediately because, you know, everybody was calling us. Oh, stop for a thing. That's, yes, because I want to bring up, I want to bring up all the stats on it because everybody was clowning us. You traded KP and didn't get KD and Kyrie in again. True. We signed all the power forwards. Okay, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Julius Randle in his all-star years, that was in 23-11, shooting 50% from the field. Chris Thompson, his all-star year, was averaging 22. I think it was like 8, and he was shooting like below 40. Julius Randle, the next two years, is going to make $19 million. Porzingis is going to make $30 million the next two years. <laughs> yeah. All right, here's I mean, a question. Here's a question for you, Christian. Yes. Would you trade Kemba Walker for Chris Thompson Porzingis? Back then? Right now. Oh, no, 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 no. You don't want Porzingis. No, don't trade yeah. him. Listen. Yeah, it's fine. My, bro- this- my no, older no, no, brother no. said he would do it. I, no, I would do it too. No. But I, I understand that I understand that he comes with so many problems. Ex- Nick, every year he played with us, he was injured. And it wasn't like significant injuries, but he never was healthy. The dude never works on his game, dude. This man is seven three. He should have a hook shot. If he had a hook shot, then his 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 mid-range game and his three-point game, his pop game would be better. He still can't fucking he still can't just back down somebody and shoot over them. You're seven three, dude. He doesn't work on yeah. his game. You obviously can see he cares more about the money and his brothers are in his ear way too much. Like he just has too much baggage. You don't want to trade for him. And I'm just very happy that we traded him away. <laughs> Hindsight <laughs> is 2020, but hey, it was a pretty good deal for us. Now I wanna say um real quick um about that too one thing about Kemba that's been weird this year so he obviously struggled a lot when he came back but he kept saying it and I kept seeing it he said physically he felt fine he didn't feel any pain he just said it was rust and if you want I mean he's kind of backed it up because recently he's been pretty dominant he's averaging like 22 and uh on 40 something percent from the field 40 percent from three you know like he's played like Kemba Walker and he's pretty much I would say looked like Kemba Walker from what I've seen like that's the concern I have if Kemba really is going to be just okay like physically and that this knee problem is just you know it's typical manageable shit and this stem cell therapy he got in the offseason will help him get through the next few years then yeah, it's a massive risk to trade for Kristaps because, like you said, he hasn't gotten better. Also, defensively, he's been atrocious this season. Now, it's not like I'm saying Kemba Walker is a good defender, but he competes on that. And he's not good at it, but he competes. Like Kristaps, just 
is awful. I don't really know what happened there. I mean, he, he could, I thought he would just be good by being tall, like Boban or something. Obviously, not Boban size, but like the Mavericks defense this year is awful. Well, it mean, was bad. It was bad last year too, though. <laughs> yeah, but like here's the thing: they tried to correct it by trading Seth Curry for Josh Richardson. One of the dumbest no, moves I've ever yeah. seen. Still ridiculously stupid. Um, but there's yeah. a lot of talk about Josh Richardson kind of reverting back to like you know his great form in Miami before going to Philadelphia. You know, like he was supposed to be like a great three and D guy for the Mavs, and then it just hasn't worked out for him. He just stinks, man. I saw it. <laughs> I saw it. I saw it in the playoff series against the Celtics last year. He hit some timely shots. But for the most part, he was awful. I mean, he's a good defender. No, that's not fair to him. He he actually played well against the Celtics this year because, of course, he did. Um, in a year where he's been <laughs> terrible. Uh, but uh, this, yeah, this, um, this, yeah, the the trade, like, just Josh Richardson. I don't know. I, he's just one of those guys. I just maybe I just don't believe in him enough. Yeah, it's like you said, in Miami, he was legitimately good. Um, I don't know. I guess we, we got to give him the whole season to just before we dump on him completely. Right. Um, so let's do it before we get to, um, before we get to the, the, other team? the team as a whole, we could do what player or what thing has surprised you most about your team in, in a good and bad way. It could be good or bad. Um, because I'm going to do both good and bad. Uh, and then what, team has surprised you this year whether good or bad or both so i'll start um like i mentioned before robert williams has begun to a point where he's not only the best big on the celtics he's by far the best big on the celtics he still does like a stupid thing here or there but christian i'm serious when i say this if you look at his like advanced stats and all that stuff he's the best advanced stat center like just efficiency-wise, arguably in the league. I mean, he shoots 73% this year. Like, he does not miss from around the rim. He dunks everything. He had a dunk on Zubots the other night. I think I, I saw it. Yeah, you sent it, yeah. He just obliterated him. Like, it – and you know what? He's a stupid guy. Let's be real. He's a stupid guy. I've never doubted that. But – He's got a good time more like that, Nick. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the thing about Robert Williams this year, and I, the the first preseason game I watched Robert Williams play this year was against Philly, and he looked awful. And I thought, all right, this guy's just never going to figure it out as an NBA player. Well, he does have health issues. He missed three months with a hip issue last year, which they won't say was a stress fracture, but it probably was. Um, so they're worried about playing him too many minutes. He also has an artery condition, which I think get causes him to cramp and stuff, which he probably needs to get surgery on to get rid of probably in like the off season or something at some point. Um, and they said they're going to ramp him up more as the playoffs go along. But in that game against the Clippers in 22 minutes, he was four for five, five for eight from the line, had eight rebounds, four assists, three blocks, only one turnover. And was, I believe, a plus 15 or something. Let me make sure of that. Like, he, the point is, is that I, I was, I think, Paul, you said it. He kind of plays like Jared Allen now. Mm-hmm. You know, honestly, I, I kind of agreed with that in the moment, but he's actually not. You, you want to know why? Because Jared Allen is, 
is different. Like he, Jared Allen um, is more long arms, like size, and he gets bullied sometimes, but he really makes up for it because he's got great instincts. Let me explain to you something about Robert Williams. Robert Williams. I was actually comparing him to Nick Claxton. Uh, I was comparing Jared to Nick Claxton, not Jared to Robert Williams. <laughs> I mean, Time Lord's like Time Lord's like Mitchell Robinson to me. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like, if if Robert Williams can stay healthy, I think Time Lord and Richard Mitchell Robinson are gonna have some insane battles over the years. I almost look at him and compare him to Clint Capella. You know, like uh, yeah. yeah, like he kind of gives me Clint Capella vibes, which I never thought he would get to that point, but. It's just unbelievable how every single time he comes in now, he impacts the game. Yeah, here's a stat I was looking for. Robert Williams this season has a plus 32 net rating. He has an offensive rating of 134 and a defensive rating of 102. He has absolutely staggering numbers this year. And the craziest thing about it is, like I said, like I, he can switch unbelievably well at this point. Like, he got ter- against the Clippers this year. He got Terrence Mann on a switch on the perimeter. Terrence Mann makes a couple moves on him, doesn't do shit, takes a three over him, gets blocked on the perimeter. Time Lord grabs the ball, throws it ahead. They get a layup on the other end. And I'm like, I've seen enough, dude. This dude's the best big man on our team. Like, there's just no way you cannot say that after watching him. He'll still make a stupid pass sometimes. Like, he does dumb things. Like, he always does. But there's so few and far between now that it, it's getting to a point where we just can't take him off the floor. Against the Clippers, he played basically the entire fourth quarter. And that was in a game where Tristan Thompson had 13-9. and nine, But he was playing so well, you can't take him off. Like, it's just, the stats may not always reflect it, but he's one of those guys, I think, that analytics kind of shows the value of. And his numbers are just staggering. Like, absolutely staggering at this point. And it's clear at this point that if the Celtics want to win, as long as Robert Williams can stay healthy, they got to play him the most. Like, that's why I said against Brooklyn, I think this is the one matchup for him that I think could he could put up potentially 15 and 10. Like, his offensive rebounding rate is, like, fourth in the league. And he's not even that good at rebounding. You want to know how he gets rebounds? He jumps higher. That's all he does. <laughs> like, he just jumps higher than the other guy. It's fucking crazy. Uh, okay, I'm gushed about him enough, but... I'm extremely giddy from what I've seen from him. He has been by far the best part of the season, along with Peyton Pritchard, too. Peyton Pritchard's a really solid backup this year, um, to be fair. Now, the disappointments. I was going to put Jeff Teague in this, but Jeff Teague, the last four games, has been an acceptable basketball player. So for now, I'm going to leave him off. But let me tell you something. As much as I praised Grant Williams last season, oh. he's, on, he's on the Jared Sollinger diet this year. And stuff <laughs> that, I mean, I don't know what happened to him. I mean, he was such a good player, at, in a role player last year. He was such an instinctive, smart player, you know, that can really just get, like, he, he made, I, at the end of the Toronto series, a lot of people forget, Grant Williams blocked Fred Van Fleet's three partially. That sealed the series in Game Seven, and when Ke- which, which Kemba ended it at the free throw line after. Um, this year, his defense is awful. I don't know what happens, and consistently in so many close games, I cannot tell you how much I've screamed when it's like a three-point game, and then Grant Williams, when another team is in the bonus, needlessly fouls a guy, puts oh. him on the line, gives up all the momentum, and we lose the game. We were playing Utah 
and Jalen Brown was out of his mind in that game and was completely dominating. We cut the lead to two in the fourth quarter, and then Grant Williams grabs Royce O'Neal for no fucking reason, gives them two free throws, and the Jazz dominated us the rest of the game. I'm like, I, I just... I love Grant Williams so much as a player. Now, Harrison Barnes is available. Bye. See ya. (laughs) That's my thoughts there. I'm extremely disappointed uh, from Grant Williams. And yet, he's improved his three-point shot a lot. And it doesn't even matter because his defense is so awful at this point. I mean, like, Shemi Ojale was decent at the beginning of the year. But Shemi Ojale is a traffic cone masquerading as a basketball player. So... So, I mean, I'm not exactly excited whenever I didn't expect much from Shemi this year. Um, all right. And if I want my team as a, I guess I'll do the team that we're surprised with after. But in terms of players, uh, Paul, what player has been a good surprise for Brooklyn? And do you even have a bad surprise on this team? I mean, I can't really think of anybody. I have no bad surprises with this team. Um, <laughs> maybe. No, I don't think I. Maybe Bruce no, I Brown. I think Bruce Brown, you could say, is a good surprise. Yeah. I, um, I'm trying to think. Either Bruce Brown or maybe... Um, maybe Kyrie, just for being able to you know, adjust seamlessly to not having to be on the ball as much. I, but what's crazy is that I saw somewhere his assists, like, even though he's... Um, even though Harden's been controlling the ball a lot more, Kyrie's assists are still about the same as they were last season. So he's been able to adjust seamlessly with having that third star. Um, but, yeah, I think I'll say Bruce Brown for my surprise, just because, you know, I was expecting him to just be a decent defender, not really contribute much on offense. And now here here he is getting, like I said, wide-open shots at the rim, somehow becoming our one of our best centers. Um <laughs> Oh my mean, God, <laughs> he's just completely. <laughs> he he really is just completely like reinvented himself. I guess just adding, you know, really redefining the whole idea of positionless basketball in the NBA. Um, Mike D'Antoni's been... wet dream, baby. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. <laughs> he should have traded Clint Capella for Bruce Brown. <laughs> Uh, back I, with the Rockets. I can't wait to see Bruce Brown versus Robert Williams and the true the true test of, of pure size and athleticism against pure like instincts and I don't I don't know. Bruce Instinct. Brown is going to shut down Joel Embiid in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely. You know, just the surprising ways that Bruce Brown's been able to contribute. Like, I don't think anyone expected much from him on offense. You know, he was just supposed to be someone to help shore up the defense, and he's been, he's been a two-way threat. You know, he almost put up thirty points a, a week or two ago. It's been, it's been great. He's also from uh, Wakefield, Mass. Yeah, it's like a like I told you, he's like, I don't know anyone from Wakefield, Mass besides him. I think that's pretty bumfuck area of the state. So uh, it's kind of shocking <laughs> that he's from there. Um, but yeah, Christian, Knicks, good and bad. I mean, there's been a lot of good surprises, that's for sure. Oh man, well, good surprises. I gotta go with the god Emmanuel quickly because he's just been <laughs> unbelievable at times. But again, honorable mentions to everybody else. I guess bad surprise, and it's not, it's, I mean, I don't want to shit on him because he's been shit on by the entire fan base, but like 
Come on, man. EP, pass the ball. <laughs> Overpaid. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, listen, I give EP credit because he's still playing defense and we do need a guard to drive and score, but he just misses so many layups. But he's probably been the one bad thing about the team, but it's not even like terrible because you know what? We we need we need somebody to play at least twenty plus minutes and not kill Emmanuel quickly and other guys. Oh, and that's another thing, dear dear Tibbs, please stop playing guys forty minutes a game for God's sakes. I don't want another Chicago Bulls incident where people are rupturing their knees and whatnot. Good God Almighty! Oh, you know what you were getting into when Tibbs was hired. Yeah, Come on, yeah. You can't be surprised by that. I, the man was playing. The man is the man in like a blowout is playing Julius Randle like forty minutes. I'm like, God damn, bro, chill. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I should have expected that. <laughs> uh, and also, before before we move on to the teams, I just want to say that I've noticed people on Twitter making fun of us for cheering about a 500 team. You can't you can't shit on us as Knicks fans. Yeah, We're excited, so, okay? So We're on stupid. cloud nine right now. This is the first time in how long they've been competent. You know, like I yes. definitely I definitely get why you guys are excited. I yeah, don't like, understand. Yeah, like like why we should be on mad at a fan base for being happy. It's like being mad at Browns fans, like how they react. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, like like we're beating the Steelers. Like like dude, everyone in America almost beat the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's true. If you, you can argue if it weren't for the call, you know, on the goal line with the touchback, they would have. Um, but yeah, like I mean, I see people saying they're rooting for a mediocre team. It's like, dude, listen. The powerful meme got old and repetitive. The Knicks were clay- like, all right, we get it. You want to hate on us? We're on cloud nine right now. We're fifth in the Eastern Conference. Come at us. We're okay with it. We don't care. We're gonna keep celebrating at the Garden. <laughs> I saw the video of the fans' reaction after they beat the Indiana Pacers, uh, and I was I was just like, "Wow, this is just a fan base that needed this so bad. <laughs> like, they just needed some semblance of joy, especially during now and these times during the pandemic. It's like these guys are just so happy. Like, I, I joke with you, I ain't going to a Celtics game and dying for Shemi Ojale like this. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, that's not happening. Uh, if maybe maybe if they get their shit together next year." But for now, no. Um, <laughs> um, Paul, yeah. Paul, if the Nets and Knicks play each other in the playoffs, let's go to the let's go to one of the games. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> that's gonna be great. <laughs> and we'll, Nick, if you want to come, if Hell you want to yeah. come watch that playoff game, let's go. <laughs> uh, hey, I'll be honestly. One of our there's a very decent chance that one of our three teams is gonna face each other in the playoffs at some point, yeah. and I, I feel like I feel like. Nets Celtics here would be hilarious just because oh, that would be crazy. Kyrie factor too. Although I think honestly, I think more people, more and more people are just kind of like whatever about Kyrie Irving now. Like, like people will bring it up whenever Kemba struggles, but I, I, I think most rational fans know that just at the end of the day, Kyrie was not going to be able to coexist with what we have now. So he went to a team where he can. So it's kind of that simple. Um, I mean, some people are still salty about it. I'm still a little salty about it, but like, as long as Kemba, yeah, plays, you, as long as right. Kemba plays well, I'm not gonna be like that mad. Like now, this, now one thing I want to bring up because you brought up like fans shitting on, like the Danny H thing. You can make fun of him for that. Like I do it all the time too. You know, the interest Danny, Stan Pat, Danny, or whatever. Because he used to be the guy who like traded everybody and everything, and now he's like the opposite. Um, and damn Mormon. 
Yeah, the damn Mormon. <laughs> no, Nick, Paul, do you get do you get those texts about Danny Ainge being a Mormon? Because I get those once in a blue moon. I'm like, what? <laughs> I haven't heard about Danny, and I haven't heard any Mormon complaints. No. Oh, oh Dude, no, I get, I get, I get the occasional text like, "You stupid Mormon, trade for people already." <laughs> Listen, man, if Harrison Barnes is out there, I'm not saying Harrison Barnes will put us at like championship contention, but. Like at least he'll help. Like, like okay, he'll I'm get not, you out of the talks about slipping into the play-ins. You know. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, if I have to watch another game where Tatum and Brown are gassed by the fourth quarter and have no help again, I'm going to lose it. Um, believe me, that Pelicans game was the day after I passed out and had stitches in my freaking head. And I'm just sitting there and watching this team like they're up 26 against the Pelicans. Their defense is great. They held Zion at halftime to four points on one of five shooting. And then everything, everything fell apart. <laughs> like, I, I, that was not fun. Um, this team has mostly not been fun at all to watch until the last four games. Um, Nick, now you know how I feel the last yeah, eight years. Right, you're right. You're right. The last, like, since 2012-13, really. Uh, this has been the Knicks fans' uh, kind of daily life. You don't – it's like it's like you get up and you're, like, dreading the game. You're like, oh, fun. We're going to lose again. Um, <laughs> no, nah, I'm just – well – I it's true, though. I mean, yes, yeah. it's true. I'm like, yeah, oh, can't wait to see what – can't wait to see how we don't get the number one pick this year. <laughs> All right. Surprising teams, good and bad. I refuse to put Philly in this list. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> my, I guess the surprising good team, I mean, everyone's going to mention it, but Utah. Um, yeah. Yeah, Utah has been the best team in the league in the regular season this season. Um. I mean, they've looked like Spurs-level shooting, passing at times. Like they've had that. Um, I don't really know what it is. They didn't really change much. They added Derek Favors. They re-signed Jordan Clarkson. Um, I think really all it is is... They're playing together, I think. Yeah, they're playing together. And I think Mike Conley being a lot better has really helped them. And you know, you know what else too, Nick and Paul, I think also Bogdanovich is healthy and he's yeah. very he's very important. He's like he's like a much better Joe Ingles. So then you can bring Joe Ingles off the bench. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's true. Joe d- d- getting jingled is 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 uh never fun but never fun for any team, especially when now he's a bench player. Like that's pretty insane. Um, but it's really, I just think it's guys playing better. I mean, Donovan Mitchell has been better. Uh, but speaking of Donovan Mitchell, I saw a comment like literally 30 minutes ago from him where he, he threw the, uh, LeBron under the bus for making fun of him or something. Like he said, uh, oh yeah. He said basically we're, when they asked uh, him why were Mitchell and Gobert the last players picked in the all-star draft, he said it was because, oh, nobody plays with the jazz in video games, uh, or something like that. He kind of joked about it. And he basically responded, whatever. Like, he, he basically, uh, let me read that. So I got to find this quote again. Uh, one second. From a jazz reporter. Here we go. Um, he said that, okay, 
I don't really, I want to be rude, but I really don't care about LeBron's comments. People have been talking shit about me for a while. We're not doing this to seek the approval of him. Which, like, yeah, fair. Um, but yeah, this Jazz team is just good. I mean, I mean, they, they, they definitely give 14, 15 Hawks vibes, but I do think they more talent than that team. I mean, the best player on that team was Al Horford. You know, like, let's go. So, and listen, I love Al Horford. I loved him as a Celtic. Um, but, but he's not Donovan Mitchell. Not <laughs> like, he's not Donovan Mitchell. Let's just be real. Um, yeah, do, you guys, do you guys think the Jazz are going to be like legit in the playoffs too? Or is this going to be like another Milwaukee Bucks situation where they're Milwaukee. dominant in the regular season and they just can't put it together in a seven-game series? Uh, the, only chance they have uh, making, the only chance they have of making the finals is if AD's Achilles just isn't the same and the Lakers just don't have it. You know, like mm. that's the only way I could see it. Which, you know, knowing, uh, knowing Adolph Silver. No, just oh, my God. <laughs> knowing, Adam, knowing Adam Silver and what he's done this year with this condensed season. Let's be real. This condensed season has caused injuries. Do you want to know why yes. the Nets are so cautious with Kevin Durant, along with while they're winning without him anyway? It's because they know. They bring yeah. him back early. He, the, the hamstring goes again, and he's out and another you fuck yourself. Yeah, Absolutely. Like, it's like that's why they're not doing it. They, the Nets know. With this condensed season, there's just no point in bringing him back early before the All-Star break. Um, even though let's be, he probably could have in a normal season, but they realize like, right. what's what's the point? Um, but well, yeah, you know, but you guys remember, you guys remember the lockout year and how many people got hurt that year and Derrick Rose towards ACL. Yep. I think we're, I, I, I'm very scared that we're gonna see like a good player that that happened to a good player. It's just unfortunately. How it is? The no, you're telling me like Jalen Brown is knee tendonitis already. He's like 22. Is it 24? He's like he's not old at all. 23, 24. It's like, I mean, it's obvious. It's already taking a toll on players. Like there are injuries all over the place already. Even if they're just minor, they're all over the place. Um, now, uh, the team. I mean, disappointing. Team, the disappointing team I have, there's a lot of candidates. Obviously, the Celtics are one of them. I think looking at everybody as a whole, I think the most disappointing team... Say the Mavericks. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, the Mavericks, I actually consider them because they're in the eighth seed. The most disappointing team to me so far this year, a, a team, and I get it, they've had injuries. But this oh, I think team, I know what you're going to say. But this team has been good with despite injuries for so long. They've never made excuses, you know, as a team because of that, because of health. And I know it's kind of an odd pick, but I picked the Indiana Pacers. Oh, I thought you were going to say another one. Okay. Uh, I just, you know, I was I was thinking about the Wizards too, but I think Westbrook is garbage, so I'm not surprised they're this bad. Um, <laughs> hey, they're gonna they're gonna get into the playoffs and play the Nets in an amazing series of 155 to 153. <laughs> oh my gosh! Russell Westbrook's are gonna get triple double every night. <laughs> dude, Paul, I'm like, dude, I watched that game where you guys lost to them, where it was like 156, 155, and I was like, dude, oh this is insane. <laughs> yeah. The lack of defense in that game was kind of astounding. I, I watched, I caught the end of it, um, but, but yeah, like the Indiana Pacers. I know they're not a championship caliber team, so I know it's kind of weird to put them as my disappointing team. But here's the thing, right? The Pacers for so long, when they've had injuries, 
didn't make excuses, put their head down, just were good, solid team every single year. Um, and let's be real, they're 16 and 19 now. Do you want to know what their next, uh, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games are? Are they, I'm assuming it's rural. At Lakers, back to back at Phoenix, at oh Denver, Brooklyn, at Miami, at Miami, back to back in Milwaukee. There is a real chance oh. to lose every single game. And at that point, we'll be oh, I hope so. and 26. I hope so. Because <laughs> our schedule is bad, too. <laughs> like, this Pacers team. Oh, man. Like, when the Celtics were, I, I kind of knew they were flawed. When the Celtics were at their worst, it was 18-4 to 4 Pacers early on in the game. The Celtics were this downtrodden team. Everyone had their heads down. And instead of really putting a stranglehold on us, they led us back in the game. And that would really mm. save our season. And more than anything, played the most bafflingly stupid pick-and-roll defense on Kemba Walker, which is to drop on him. I don't understand why they did that. I know it's like the NBA, most teams drop now. But Kemba Walker, who doesn't, you know, he probably doesn't have all of what he used to have in terms of athletic ability. Like, you want to ch- make him challenge you at the rim, especially with Miles Turner. Miles Turner responded by dropping far, and Sabonis responded by dropping far. And I'm like, yeah, this team is stupid. Like, I'm sorry. Like, why wouldn't you be doing something else? It got us back in the game. We ended up winning the game in the end. Since that loss to the Celtics, they lost in New York, as Christian knows, the next night. Yes. They then got crushed in Philadelphia. Then barely had they had to make a huge comeback to beat Cleveland and then lost to Denver by a deep, like a comfortable margin 10 points. They also have losses this year to the Bulls at home to the Hornets. I mean that's not a terrible loss, I guess. To Sacramento. Oh man. To to New York twice. I mean the New York's a lot better this year obviously, but that's a comparable team that they basically gotten swept by up to this point. Um, wait, no, I see. They, they beat New York first game this season. I missed that. Um, the point is, is that the Indiana Pacers, I expect them every single year to be a good, solid, at least a play- They're not going to go very far in the playoffs, but I expect them to be a good, solid playoff team. The reason I'm not putting a team like Miami on there is Miami lost Jimmy for two weeks. And in the same way it did with the Celtics, when Tatum got COVID, our season got fucked. When Jimmy got COVID, their season got fucked. Like it was, it, that's kind. Of, it was kind of a simple explanation for them. They may not be as good as they were last year. Obviously, the loss of Jay Crowder is hurting them a lot. But they have an easy mm-hmm. schedule the second half, and I expect Miami to do well. You know, I expect them to be a good team. Um, right. The Pacers, dude. I don't know. They, they, this, this looks pretty dire for them. If they don't win at least two of that seven-game stretch. They imagine sitting at 16 and 26, even if you have Laverne and Warren back. Like, are they even going to be a playoff team at that point? Like, it's it's a very fair question. I know it's a weird team to pick, but I'm kind of disappointed with the Pacers. I, I, I thought they'd be a lot better than this. Paul, would you like to go since I ranted for like 30 minutes? On the <laughs> <laughs> sure. I agree uh, with you, Nick, though. Like, yeah, you're, you're right about the Pacers. Um, Let me see. I'll let you say that the Knicks have been your pleasant surprise of the season. I'm, I can't, you know, I can't stoop that low as a Nets fan. I'm not going to reach across the aisle or anything. No. 
<laughs> so I'll oh say goodness. I'll say the Hornets have been my surprise of the season. Like I don't think anyone expected them to be like never mind a playing team. They're seventh in the East right now. I honestly thought Lamella Ball was probably gonna need like another se- like you know he's I thought he was gonna oh, need a so season to like adjust right, to the NBA. It's been really surprising how quickly he's adjusted and become such he's a great so good dude. It's crazy. Yeah. Um and I mean, Gordon Hayward, like, you know, Charlotte got a lot of shit for, you know, giving him that big contract. But I mean, it's, you can't really complain I with the results. You guys, I told you he was a good player. He Nick, listen, Nick, Nick, Nick Batoon in his first year, Charlotte had a good year too. You wait, wait and see after the second year when he's injured again. I'm telling you. Let's, let's not compare Gordon Hayward to Nick Batum. That's a bit. Yeah, that's yeah a bit Gordon Hayward is a better player than Nick Batum. But like, to be fair, I this I told you guys the Celtics are going to miss Gordon Hayward. Yes, he was always hurt here, but he was always a good player. He was always an efficient. Well, not always. He's, his, the year he came back from injury the first year, he was not very good. But, like, the second – last year, he was pretty good. He was pretty good for us. He was a very good fourth option, and the Celtics have clearly missed him. And the Hornets have clearly benefited. Now, uh, Paul, also to your – I will say this about the Hornets. One thing I forgot to mention. I have an axe to grind, not really with Hayward. Let me tell you about Terry Rozier. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Do you understand – how much I hate this guy. Like, I could, yes, he had a good playoff run that one year for us. Terry Rozier in 1819. Kyrie had a lot of chemistry issues with us, too. It was obviously a big problem. Terry Rozier was so awful in 1819. He would literally shoot us out of games by himself. And he consistently got 25 minutes a game and still complained. Terry Rozier. I heard from so many people saying, why didn't the Celtics just this year? Why didn't the Celtics bring back Terry Rozier? Why did we trade <laughs> Kemba? Well, let me explain. Are they crazy? They're like, dude, Kemba Walker played 82 games before he came to the Celtics. How the hell were we supposed to know this knee thing was going to happen? And even so, in the past two weeks, guess who's been better than Terry Rozier? Kemba Walker. Uh, like, an injured an injured Kemba Walker is better than a healthy Terry Rozier. Yeah, like, yeah, disrespect like, my New York guard. <laughs> Terry Rozier has had some re- has had a good season up to this point. That's what pisses me off, though. Why couldn't he have just accepted being a six man for one year, not bitching and moaning the entire fucking season, like, and then being awful and costing us games. Paul, you won't remember this probably, but in the 18-19 season, the Celtics were in Brooklyn on a back-to-back. I will never forget this. Terry <laughs> Rozier, the Celtics were down eight points. Terry Rozier had a sick dunk over, I want to say it was Allen, and he was flexing his muscles, going crazy. The Nets ran the other way. <laughs> D'Angelo Russell dumped it off to Allen for an uncontested dunk <laughs> while Terry Rozier was flexing. At that point, I grabbed the bottle of whiskey I had and just started chugging. <laughs> you do not understand how much I hate this guy. Oh, and, and, and to be honest with you, if I have to hear one more time that the Celtics should have kept Rozier, I'm going to stick a rusty nail 
in my ear or some shit because I, yes, he's good in Charlotte. Yes, he is. I get it. He has talent. But also, you want to know, like, people are like, well, if Boston had just kept him, you know, they'd be in a better spot. No, if Boston had kept him, the torches and pitchforks would be out to get him out of here because he'd be shooting 20% from the field and then saying he needs more minutes while being a starter and getting outplayed by Brad, biggest head in the NBA, Wanamaker. Oh, my God. <laughs> I just, I hate Terry Rozier, man. If you know, now that you say this, I'm just looking at the standings again, and I see that I think you guys, you and Charlotte have played the same amount of games. They're only a game and a half back from you. Yep. So, oh. you know what I want to see happen. Oh, now. yes, please. I really want to see Charlotte finish above Boston in the standings now. Oh, I thought you were going to say Charlotte. Just for that reaction podcast. Oh, imagine a Charlotte-Boston series. Oh, that would be great. If, if Charlotte played Boston in the playoffs, I would not mind seeing Tristan Thompson full-on uh, clothesline Rozier. <laughs> no, I, I can't wait to see these Terry Rozier triple doubles in the series against Boston. Gordon Hayward, 30 points a night. I, I have no ill will toward Hayward. He wanted to be the number one option. I got paid. I totally understand why he left. But Rozier did nothing for us outside of that one playoff run besides bitch and moan and suck and i am just so done with him i i just got like you're right you're absolutely right and for a while the hornets were ahead of us a lot of people forget that i kind of said it to my dad when we were on a walk one day and i was like you know if the celtics just go on a four game winning streak or something they'll go from 10th to fourth and that's what happened <laughs> they went from 10th to fourth but like the hornets being ahead of us that kind of shows you how our season has been like, it, it's not been good, despite finally the last four games showing that, yes, we can close out a game. It is possible for a team, a basketball team, that has two all-stars on it to finish a game. Yeah, and I, I, I will I, – go ahead, Paul. Keep going. I fucking hate – go ahead. I hate <laughs> LaMelo Ball um, is a special player, though. He LaMelo Ball is great. He is really good. Yeah. Um, as for disappointing team – Oh, Malik uh, Monk, you forgot to mention him. He's having a good season. Who? Malik Monk. Oh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, I don't know. For a surprisingly bad team, I think I'm going to... I'll go a little there's out of a, There's a field. lot, honestly. I think... I'll go a little out of left field. I think everyone expected the Rockets to be bad, but... I think it's shocking how bad they've been since Christian yeah. went, went down. They have not won a game in like what twelve games or something like that. Oh, yeah. And they yeah. they weren't terrible when like you know after the Harden trade at first. They were like, number two in defensive rating or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, wow. and now they're they've just been atrocious in every single category since Woods gone down. It's really stunning, like how much of an impact he's made on that team. Because, like, you know, people are obviously hyping up Christian Wood, and rightly so, but I don't think anyone thought he would be, like, such a crucial linchpin to a team like this. Yeah. He, like, since they've lost him, like, wow, they've been bad. I mean, yeah. Wow. I mean, now listen, there are a lot of guys on their team that are likely – well, I heard something that they're likely not going to do the process thing. They might keep Eric Gordon. That's delusional to me. Are they stupid? But, yeah, like – now, listen, P.J. Tucker does not uh, – well, we got to see, like, 
he's on a bad team, so I'm not going to totally say he has nothing left, but he's definitely been a disappointment this year. He's had like five or six just scoreless games. You know, like that's something that's very unlike him, uh, at least the last few years. But yeah, I mean, John Wall, I mean, John Wall's putting up stats, but apparently has not been like that great, especially on defense. Oh, believe me, I heard so many Celtics fans want to trade Kemba for Wall, too. Like, that, that was Oh, enough. my God. Are you kidding me? Listen, I'm, I'm a before. John Wall fan, but, like, listen, no, stop. Listen, if I've said it before. If we're going to trade Kemba Walker, it either, either has to be for cap space or an upgrade. You know, if we're going to – if we want to go for a player with cap space and we have to dumb him fine. He's not a great fit on the Celtics anymore. I acknowledge that because he, he's, not, he's not a perfect number three option. And he's a defensive liability. But overall, especially the last few games, we've shown that we've needed Kemba to win games. Well, Nick, yeah, Nick I, would you take would you take would you take Alex Burks, Alfred Payne, and Noel for Kemba? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> definitely not. Um, but yeah, back to the Rockets. You want to know what? I just want to say one thing. One thing about the Rockets: Victor Oladipo has made it hundred and ten percent clear. That he wants to go to Miami, right? We've all seen that. I mean, oh, that's God, please, Knicks, don't trade for him. Please, but, no. But why would Miami want him at this point? Like, what has he shown this season to, to warrant anything? Victor Oladipo this season is shooting. Let me, let me pull up the stats here. I'm on ESPN. He has been horrible for the Rockets. Like, he was okay for the Pacers when he came back. Victor Oladipo is shooting, let's see, okay, his game log, his past, let's go past uh, eight games, all right, or is that about nine games, he was nine for 25 against Brooklyn, oh my god, he was eight for 21 against Cleveland, nine for 21 against Toronto, that's not bad, eight for 20 against Cleveland, but one for eight from three, two for six against Miami, 7 for 18 against Charlotte, 4 for 14 against the Spurs, 8 for 24 against the Thunder, 6 for 16 against the, the Thunder again. By the way, this guy's an expiring contract. Like, oh. I, like and he I, turned down that extension from Houston. What was it, like know, two well, years and 40 mil or something yeah, like that? Yeah, was a lot. Like, why would yeah. – why, why, why would the Rockets extend him? Like, what is the point? I, I do not understand the point of extending him. I would rather just dump him at this point. Better question is, I get he had cancer, and they found that out later. But no, that's LeVert. Why did Karis, no, but I was going to say, why oh. did they Karis LeVert? You know, like, why? Like, Karis LeVert is young, and apparently this cancer, it sounds like, was so minuscule, thank God, that it wasn't going to affect him. Like, Wait, why when did, they, did the, Houston get anything besides Oladipo for LeVert? No. Or was I'm it just, it was just a straight swap? Yep. Yeah, that's a weird move. Because now you're basically going to lose... Didn't I mean, they get if, they don't keep, if they don't keep Oladipo, then they basically gave up Karis LeVert for nothing. It's really yeah. weird. And, and Christian's right. They got Karuks, but like Rodion's Karuks, I mean, he had a decent second best loss, second best Latvian in the league. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> nah, best Latvian. No, he is the best Latvian in the league. <laughs> <laughs> well, at the very least, yeah, the Rockets have made some baffling moves, to say the least. They're definitely a team to watch around the deadline. I'm pretty sure Tucker will be gone somewhere like Milwaukee or Brooklyn, I would assume. If he's not traded, I think he's going to get bought out or something. Yeah, yeah. I, I would yeah. be surprised if he's on the Rockets past the deadline. Um, the Rockets, do you think Cousins is going to land anywhere? 
I don't know. There are people that were saying he would go to the Celtics, and I'm like, the only way he would go to the Celtics is if we traded one of our centers. And and let me explain something. We are not trading time more if he keeps playing like this and stays healthy. Tristan Thompson is a clutch client. You can't trade him, or Rich Paul will say you're the worst organization in the league around the league. Um, and and uh, and um, and uh, Daniel Tice might be the one guy we do it for because he's an expiring, and we're probably going to lose him in free agency. But like, even so, it's like Demarcus Cousins is your replacement. Like, ugh, he stinks. Um, True. Another thing about Houston, by the way. So they said they didn't want to do a process, right? That's apparently what they said. Why didn't they just take Ben Simmons? Like, if that were the case, like, why wouldn't they want Ben Simmons? I mean, obviously they got a ton of picks for from the Nets, which could be great down the line. But okay, they're full of shit. What do you? What do they mean? Oh, we're not going to go through the process. And why did you trade your best player and get a bunch of picks if you're not going to fully do a rebuild? And you're just stupid. And you're going to end up being mediocre and never I mean, win. What do you put it past Houston, though? I mean, this is coming for Tita's team. Like that's. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, but James Dolan West. Yeah, yeah. I will say a lot of what they did was to appease Harden before. So a lot of the moves they made in Houston, like getting Westbrook, were to, some of the uh, many of the bad moves were to appease James Harden. Many of the good moves, though, to be fair, were to appease James Harden as well when they had Daryl Morey. Um, but yeah, like it's it's the Rockets are they should be sellers. They should be trying to get rid of everything they have right now. Someone asked, you know, should the Celtics with the Hayward trade exception trade for Oladipo, and I said no. Hell no. Absolutely not. He's not offending our team at all. Like, I don't know about you guys. I think Harrison Barnes, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to be available, but makes a lot more sense for our team. Nick is just oozing about Harrison Barnes. I podcast. love Harrison Barnes. <laughs> I, I no, was... Nick, I watched him when we played them. I, I see what you mean. He's very, he's very good. He can shoot, he can rebound, he can pass. He's been on a championship team, been a part of a championship core. He could be very he he could really like swing a momentum for a team. I think if the Kings were actually not stupid enough and actually keep him though, they might. Dude, they're saying they want to make the playoffs right now. The reason? Oh I'm, hell no! Not with that terrible defense. The reason I'm so I, I a reason I like Barnes so much though as a fit is just because he's used to being a fourth option. He's a great teammate. He never complains. He's having the best season of his career offensively. He's got multi-years left on his deal. The Kings do not need him anymore. They are rebuilding. It would make no sense to keep him, especially at the salary he's at. He's overpaid, right? He makes 20-something million. Plus, if you need to trade Harrison Barnes down the line, it should not be that difficult because he's a good player. He's a good complimentary player. That's why I want him so bad for the Hayward trade exception. They can throw, like, they can throw De'Aaron Fox in the, they can throw De'Aaron Fox in the trades too, might as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God, the Kings. De'Aaron are. Fox for Kemba Walker. Yeah, I, I, would, I, I would do that in a second. I was like, <laughs> not even thinking about it. Nah, don't uh, disrespect Kemba like that. We don't want to send him to. Sh- I like Kemba <laughs> Walker. I really, do. I think he's been great for our locker room. I think he's been. When he's been good here, he's been really good. And like I said, Paul, I'm not trying to shit on Kyrie too much, but the fact is is that he would not have accepted being an option behind Brown and uh, Tatum. He wouldn't have. So, like, if if that was the case, you know, then him moving to Brooklyn, where he's more accepting of being a third option because he's playing with veterans he wants to play with, um, as opposed to young players. And Kemba Walker, you know, who is more than willing – to uh, take the third, to become a third option, 
you know, like at that point, like it just makes sense on both sides. Now I will say this, if it weren't for the knee problem with Kemba Walker, I don't even think there's a question. We wouldn't even be thinking about trading him. Like it's just because when he's been healthy, at least this year, and when he's been good, he's been good. He's played like Kemba. Even if he's not a great fit anymore, he's still been like good. He, he the last ten games he's played like an all star. But yeah, Celtics talk, Celtics talk. All right, Christian, um, Christian, your most surprising good team and bad team. Okay, so I'll do some honorable mentions too because there's been some other good teams besides the Knicks, but. Surprisingly good team. The Bulls are in the mix, which is shocking. I thought they were going to be trash. Uh, you know, Grizzlies, Pelicans, usual teams in the mix. But obviously, I got to go with the Knicks because, like I said, if you had told me last year, at the halfway point of this season, if the, if I told you the Knicks were the fifth seed with all that stuff, I had to laugh at your face. So, oh my God, it's crazy. And there's been a lot of there's been a lot of disappointing teams, honestly. Like I, you know, you can go with the Mavericks. You can go with the Celtics, um, you can go with the Raptors. I mean, but, but a team, but my, yeah, Miami too. But the team that really, like, the, uh, that really, really disappointed me because I thought legitimately after their bubble, they were going to be championship contenders is the Nuggets. And the Nuggets are really missing J- Jeremy Grant. <laughs> and yeah. I think it's crazy to me that he, it's crazy to me that they offered him the same contract to be on a championship contending team. And he declined it because he wanted to be a number one option. Now, good for him. He's probably going to win most improved players. He's playing so well. But, God damn, they're really missing something on that team. I don't know what it is. Like, they're, they're just – they're missing Jeremy Grant, obviously. Yeah. And, they, so and their backup center same position. And Hayward. It's like when you lose a complimentary player like that, you sometimes forget how much they mean to a team. Right. And um, I was going to – what was I going to say? Um – yeah, so they've been kind of disappointed. They've been very disappointing, obviously. But even – that's what I was going to say. Even some of the good teams have been, like, disappointing to me, obviously with injuries and whatnot. But, like, for me, the Lakers, you can really see that they're missing, obviously, Anthony Davis. But they don't have the same, like, depth and chemistry, I think, that they had last year. And the Clippers, people are going to still say that they're, like, championship contenders, but no. Nah. I think they're better this year. I, I will. Uh, they've been a they, little better record wise. Yeah, but like Paul, what? But when you watch them, you can kind of see like they they're still yeah. They they're not clutch. They're not clutch. Me, they're me, missing. They're missing a point guard. Actually, like oh, yes. I, I this with you because yes, the Celtics played them twice this year. The first game in LA, we had no Jalen Brown. They had no uh, Paul George. Right. So it's basically mm-hmm. Kawhi versus Tatum. And in the last minute of the game, by the way, the Celtics have lost every game they've been down at halftime, except against the Clippers both times, which is a crazy stat. But in the last minute of the game, right, um, the Celtics were down. So Lou Williams hits a three to put them up two with about 40 seconds left, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or up one. They're up one. So on the other end, Tatum almost throws it away, gets it back. Walk, Kemba hits a two-pointer. So it's with about 20 seconds left, uh, the Celtics are up one after the Kemba shot. So they get the ball to Kawhi, who's being guarded by Shemi Ojale. Does not do, move him that much. Now, Shemi's a strong guy. I'll give him that. But does not get by him. Does not move him that much. Gets a pretty easy shot. Misses. 
Tristan Thompson hits two free throws. I know that that was a big what. <laughs> yeah, and then so the Celtics lead by three, and then playoff P baby. Then when Kawhi again had a chance to tie it, he takes a three over Shemi. Again, it's a makeable shot. If you really looked at it, it was a makeable shot. Was short both times. Then the game in Boston recently, right? The Clippers were winning by like it was a back and forth game. The Clippers were up like two three. Celtics would go up two three. Then the Celtics put Robert Williams in, and shocker, the lead goes up for the Celtics, right? But late in the game, Paul George has a chance to cut the lead two and three, right? On wide open threes. He bricked both of them. He made one three at the end, but here's the thing. Shemi Ojale, because he's an idiot, left him wide (laughs) open. And one of the few times I've seen Brad Stevens lose his mind on a player. He left them wide open. I mean, it didn't really matter in the end. The Celtics just made two free throws and sealed the game. But, like, like Brad lost his mind. Like, Shemi was such a stupid defender, he let Paul George score on him in crunch time. Like, I saw a stat after that game. In, in the game, when Paul George was guarded by Tatum and Brown, he was 1 for 11. Against oh every God. other player, he was 11 for 15. And actually, I forgot about this one. Down four. The Clippers were down four with a minute left in that game. Paul George had Kemba Walker on him. He got a switch. You, like, take him to the rim, right? Easy size advantage. Should be a shot at the rim. He takes a contested three, leaning, short arms it. I was just laughing. I was like, how the hell? Oh, my God. I mean, Kemba competed, but, like, it's Kemba Walker. What is he going to do to stop you? He's, like, not even six feet tall. I think, you know what? They need a point guard so bad. That's what I was going to say. Dude, had they got Derrick Rose, I think that would have been the thing that could have maybe put them over the hump. Because, like, listen, Derrick Rose pissed me off when he was here the first time. He did a lot of dumb shit, and his style of play pisses me off too sometimes. But, my God, Derrick Rose, when he's actually passing the ball and, like, playing hard, is a very good player. We forget that he was MVP of the league. He would have been a perfect fit for the Clippers because they're just desperately missing a guard, and I don't know who they can get to to make them better. They I don't better know. Pray Kyle Lowry becomes available because oh. if Kyle Lowry, because oh. if Kyle Lowry's not available, which he might be, I don't see him staying in Toronto past this year. But I mean, if he's not and Toronto just rides it out, then I mean, I don't really see what they can do. I don't really see who's going to become available. Um, the Clippers are in a tough spot. They they really are. Like it just. They're clearly not – but Dimension, you're right in that the Lakers and them – I mean, yes, the Clippers have had really great regular season moments this year, more than last year. But you Yeah, still but let's be honest. They're going to choke in the playoffs. Yeah, you don't watch them and think they're going to turn around the playoffs. Like, there's just – there's not no. enough – now, I will say this. Um, getting Serge was great. Yes. Getting Serge for them was a great move. I think he's a better player than Harrell. I think Harrell on the Lakers, I called that. I just want to say I called from day one. Yeah, Harrell was going to put up numbers. I didn't think it was a good move. And he hasn't been good. Defensively, he's been bad for the Lakers, which I said was going to happen. And and it's clear, without Anthony Davis, they were, what, three and six? Like they're they're bad. Also, Marcus Gasol, who is awful. Yeah, he's caca, too. (laughs) Yeah, like, dude, I said this after the playoff series against Toronto. This, he was such. He was so bad against the Celtics. He made Daniel Tice, you know, look like Kevin Garnett. Like, <laughs> like 
it, it was ridiculous. Um, I, I just want to say one thing real quick about the Clippers, because uh, I found some stats about how bad they've been in the clutch. They've been they've been second worst the in worst the league. Teams, right? Ooh, right now, they're second worst in the league, and I just saw something. Uh, okay, so Kawhi's shooting in the clutch in 13 clutch games this season. Um, this article is from like end of February. He's shooting uh, 28, 0, and 87. So he is not shooting well at all in the clutch. And it's weird because he had that reputation as being like, you know, this ice cold killer down the stretch. Um, well, you know, when you got, when you're on, I think, I don't want to like go too much into it. I think when you blow a 3 1 lead, it just. It's like they can't get it out of their heads. Like I think, I think he just needs like a change of scenery, and you know, orange and blue will look like a lot. Here comes the Christian recruiting pitch. <laughs> no, no, no. But like seriously though, I, Kemba I, for Kawhi, Nick. Is that a trade you would make? Yeah. <laughs> oh my! I know. No, we're just talking about trading. The Kemba. most bizarre thing about because I know the stat you're talking about because I know Kemba's so low on that list. Here's the thing that's weird though, right? Kemba was horrible in one clutch game this year, but I was thinking about this the other day, and he has like multiple game winners this year, and I'm like, how is he that low? <laughs> like, yeah. it, it doesn't feel like it, you know? Like, or maybe, maybe it was that one game against the Pelicans. He started five for twelve, and then missed nine shots in the fourth in OT, and without, oh. it. yeah, like that was that was the game when everyone was calling Kemba cooked, and I'm like, guys, it's one game, calm down. He has games like this sometimes. Even when he was healthy, he did. Um, but yeah, no, like back to like the Clippers, like, yeah, like I just, I don't know. They, they need a veteran point guard. It's just so obvious because Paul George is just, it, it, it's like someone said, you survived the Clippers shot making until the fourth quarter. Paul, I mean, the Nets beat them twice recently. You can attest to this too. Yeah. You survived the Clippers, you survived the Clippers shot making until the fourth quarter down the stretch. They're going to choke. They always do that. I, I didn't love the James Harden flop at the end, but at the end of the day, that's what the call is. It's an offensive foul. Yeah, right. That is the rule. So so. I got to say, I got to say, like one thing, guys, I don't know if you want to agree with me or not. So so obviously, you know, you have your top tier teams like Utah, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Nets, the 76ers. But this is the first time where, like, even though you have those like teams where you think are going to be championship contenders, they all have like laws and i don't really know who's gonna win this year i still think the lakers and nets will be in the finals but every team you could say like something i don't want to say could go wrong but there could be something that happens where you they don't end up in the championship like the lakers it's obviously the health of anthony davis the nets it's the same thing it's like health concerns with them utah is unproven the clippers just choke the 76ers, injuries, and Doc Rivers. So I'm really yeah, excited for the second half. The 76ers, let's be real. They right, are, exactly. They are the, the joke franchise that will always be a joke. No, <laughs> <laughs> no but, like, do you guys agree with me or not? Like, yeah, obviously, no, I, still I don't think... think the health concerns are too big with Brooklyn right now, obviously, just because, like, you know, like I said earlier, like, KD's played a, one game in the past month and we're still killing it. So, and... James Harden's a pretty durable guy. Yeah, Kyrie's always a question with injury, with injuries. But I don't think, I I, I think it's kind of unlikely that um, we're gonna lose Kyrie and KD at the same time in the playoffs. Just yeah, like knock on wood, real quick. Yeah, you never <laughs> save this clip for when right. they both go down. <laughs> I'm, yeah, no. I'm but gonna, you know what, like like Christian, mm-hmm. I, I agree with you a lot. And you know what's crazy is before the season, if you were to ask me who would I take you know, in a championship series, 
right now, Nets or Lakers. I would have said Lakers because I felt like the Lakers, you know, had just less, had way bigger margin for error, right? Like they're, right. they had a way bigger margin for error than the Nets. It's kind of crazy to think. I'm not sure I would say the Nets, if the Lakers are healthy over the Lakers, but like the Nets' margin for error is a lot bigger than I thought. And I think at this point, I think it's kind of fair to say that the Lakers is a lot smaller than it used to be. Like, this Anthony Davis Achilles thing is no joke. Like, they better they better hold him out for a long time because, you know, we saw what happened with Kevin Durant. You know, it's like if they bring right. him back early, that that thing, like, we, we don't really know how close that Achilles was to blowing in Denver for AD when, he, when that happened. Like, when right. I first saw the photo of him grabbing the Achilles, dude, I thought, I mean, I don't know about you. I mean, I know he exaggerates injuries, but I thought he was done. And I think at that point, like, at least I thought there was a chance he was. I was like, oh, my God. You know, I was like, what the? What is? Right. I, I, but that's it. but I I said this last year, and I, I was off by a year. I said the Lakers have a lot of potential, but my biggest concern is that Anthony Davis can never stay healthy. And do you really want to put the 150-plus million you did into him knowing that he's an injury problem? Because he's always hurt. And yeah, you're seeing it now. Like, if he want. comes back and he gets hurt, then you fucked yourself. Yeah, Christian, I would. I mean, I'm, I mean, you're also talking to someone that's franchises had more injuries than almost any team but you know the pacers and uh portland but i i mean it's anthony davis dude you got to do it it's like kevin durant yeah, true. Off kevin durant off the achilles injury i still would have done it no question i i just think like i didn't expect durant to be this good this year but i i still was like i'm not surprised i mean he, he yeah also the fact I, the, I when i read about the whole achilles difference because for kevin durant it was his right leg and that's actually better for him because it's not his plant leg if it's your plant leg, then it's a lot worse. Um, like when Boogie Cousins had it, but for Durant it wasn't. That's when I was like, okay, he might. There's a real chance he just comes back and it's the same player. Um, but yeah, I mean, Paul, honestly, from what I've seen in the Nets, like I think your margin for error is pretty big. Even if you lose one of these guys for the playoffs, like right, you still have two of them. Now, I will say this: I want to say they're benched though. Like Bryce Brown and Claxton played well, but. I don't yeah. want to sound like the cliche guy. Like we got to see how they do in the playoffs. Here's my biggest question for Brooklyn, and it's kind of the same question I had last year for the Clippers, and that is that they are playing so unbelievably well right now. You know, they won nine of their last ten. Their one loss was without KD and Kyrie. Right? They have looked. As good, I think the best team in the league in the last month for sure. Um, here's yes. my question, right? And it, it, it could just be fouls. I could be wrong about this, but can there? I'm not worried about Katie and Harden and Kyrie keeping it up yet, but what I'm more worried about is the role players. I mean, I know it's the regular season and no fans will help, but I do wonder if a team kind of figures them out scheme wise, like the Clippers, like. Team started to figure them out in the playoffs. I do wonder. That's my biggest question for the Nets. Like, is a team going to kind of figure out a defense that's not going to stop them, that's going to slow them down, and kind of kind of make it harder for them? Also, the playoffs, the game is a lot slower. And obviously, the Nets' offense is great regardless, but they're obviously better right. when it's fast. Um, right. But also, when you're playing in a seven-game series, the team sees you seven times, and you kind of pick up on tendencies, so it gets a little harder. Although the yeah. Nets, again, had three of the best offensive players in the league. It's and easy only, to overcome then. Not only that, how do you stop – like when you have 
you know, all three of those guys on the floor at once. And you have, we keep overlooking him, Joe Harris. Like, yeah, I don't know what scheme you can cook up to prevent at least one of those guys from being open almost all the time. You know what I really want to say? Because Eric Spolstra, you know, love. Oh, my God. That fucking trap defense he plays is so irritating, dude. On some unconventional defenses, right? He always does. And depending on the team and like Nick Nurse. I kind of want to see if they ever if we're in a playoff series. Like, I, I Brad Stevens. I mean, w- we'll see what he does in this upcoming game. I think he's just going to play him straight up. You know, I don't. I don't think. Well, you guys have you guys have the you guys have the players who could play him straight up. You have Marcus well, Smart, who you'd probably put on James Harden. You have um, Brown, who you probably put on Kyrie, and then you got Tatum, who you put on KD. I bet. Here's what happens. Here's my prediction. What's going to happen, Paul? The game on Thursday. Um, assuming, unlike last All-Star weekend, we get out of it with good health, both teams do, and assuming Kevin Durant is back for that game, which I think he will be, I bet we go, because first game, we went with Tatum on Kyrie. I know we went smart on Kyrie, and that didn't work. And so, I wonder if, I wonder if he's going to do, like, he did this to the Clippers last year. I'm not sure he could do this to Brooklyn. I wonder if he traps them. I mean, and what I mean by that is on pick and rolls, I wonder if, not with Durant, but with Harden and Kyrie, if he blitzes them in the pick and roll. And yes, Joe Harris is knocked as knocked down as knocked down gets. But I do wonder, Brad, if you look at his history generally tries to take other teams with when they have multiple star teams he tries to take the other guys uh he like tries to make the other guys beat them like with golden state he just left draymond open he just let him shoot he did not care you know if draymond shot or not mm-hmm. and with the nets i the first game he didn't really do that he kind of just played him straight up and the first half remember we were beating you guys mm-hmm. um the second half we fell apart yeah <laughs> But I also wonder, like, I'm ve- I- I'm just very curious to see how we're going to look. Like, in my opinion, I'm not expecting to win, obviously. But if we compete with you guys, I especially want to see how Kemba does. Because if Kemba can face the pressure, not suck, and be like he's been the last few games, especially against Kyrie, and Danny Ainge takes that and goes, hmm, let's see. I have this, this big trade exception. I'm going to sit on it. And not sweating until the off season. I'm going to. He's gonna go. He's gonna go to Danny Ainge's office and beat him up. He lives in Wellesley, Massachusetts. I don't know where, but I've heard it before. So wherever he is in Wellesley, man, I'll put I'll I'll put the flag right outside his door. Get the fuck out. <laughs> I will be furious. Like I heard, it's funny. Uh, before we go, this is the last thing. Um, and I know I've talked about the Celtics so much on this podcast, even though they've been a basically a little above average team, so they don't really deserve this much talk. But the uh, he was on the radio the other day, and he mentioned before that we things got really bad. You know, you know, maybe we'll do this, maybe we'll do this, or maybe it's not our time. And the minute he said that, Uh-oh. every single radio host was like, no. No, you're like fourth in the East, despite being dog shit. <laughs> like, there's no way you could say that. And he's like, well, you know, it probably won't be not our time. But like, I was just thinking, if Danny 
he said the other day he might save the TP till the off season, and if he does that, I'm. You're not gonna. Oh my win. god. You're not gonna want to be near me. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I no. We'll do an emergency pod. I'll call for his firing. And <laughs> at that point, I'll just be done. Oh, we could get Bradley Beal in a few years. Yeah, fucking right. That's not gonna happen. Um, what a headline on, that would be. What a name oh. that would be for an emergency pod. Boston saves TPE for offseason <laughs> emergency <laughs> podcast. <laughs> You know what? You know what? Someone mentioned like, oh, we could trade for John Collins if if with with the not with with saving the trade exception. I'm like, yeah, and pay him a max. <laughs> like, oh my god, I don't know about that one, Chief. All right, I think we'll stop there because I'm just gonna keep oh. bitching and moaning about the state. Wait, I just wanna, I just wanna yeah. ask Paul. I just wanna ask Paul because again, we are the outsiders here. Paul, if so obviously, I'm expecting the Nets to get to the finals. But what do you think their one weakness is that might stop them from getting to the finals? In your opinion, since you've watched them so much. Oh man, nothing. <laughs> um, Good answer. <laughs> let me think. The one weakness for the Nets. I mean, I want to say that it's going to be like, you know, just getting dominated in the paint again or something but honestly i really it seems like they've like they're starting to fix that i don't think there's any one glaring hole i think like nick was saying it's just going to take some really good defensive scheming to stop this team but i can't think of any huge holes honestly here's what i'll say i want to see if how they like i said how they, they haven't really faced a center yet that i mean at least in this past stretch that was a real like lob threat or threat at the room. That's why I, I'm very curious to see what they do with Robert Williams because I think this is the game I think I, I look at personally. I'm like, he, he's been good. He was great against the Clippers. He was great against a lot of these guys. I think he has potential to dominate this game. I, I, I don't see anybody on the Nets roster that can slow him down because they, the one thing the Nets, like you said, Bruce Brown is just an unbelievably tough guy for his size. And could basically play the five. <laughs> but but at the end of the day, you know, he's not six ten and can jump out of the gym like Robert Williams can. The, the the things Robert Williams has done in the last stretch makes me think like, dude, this Brooklyn front line, like DeAndre Jordan's way too slow. And I mean, Nick Claxton, I don't think is tall enough. I'll, I think he's the best chance you have. But um, yeah, I, that's the one thing I wonder. Like, would a Clint Capella? type of guy kill them maybe it's just i'm just overthinking it it won't really matter in the end and the nets you know will be fine um but that's the one thing i wonder because obviously you know their center spot right now it's it, deandre jordan has been fine the last week which is they really all they yeah. need him to be um but i'm very curious if like a guy that, like 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 let me put it this way right the first game the, the big three played together was against Jared Allen and the Cavs, and they lost. And obviously that was the first game, which you shouldn't indicate too much. Obviously, it's just one game. But Jared Allen did kill them. Like, he, he really did in that mm. game. He basically got whatever he wanted. That's why I'm very curious. I keep mentioning it because I'm just gushing about Robert Williams so much. But, but I feel like really- in a playoff series, like, you're not going to – beat a team in this day and age by having the better lob threats you know like i feel yeah, like yeah. especially with how the nets defense has improved in other areas too i think james like, harden, i don't think the whole james harden can't play defense thing was when he tries he's good yeah, yeah he, right. he doesn't always try 
Kyrie Irving, um, I mean, from what I've seen of him in Boston, I haven't really watched him a, a lot in Brooklyn in terms of defense, but I mean, he can be okay at it. He, he's probably the, he's definitely worse than Harden. I think, yeah. oh yeah, you'd agree with that. Uh, right. Yeah, he's definitely worse on defense than James Harden. Um, but he's not like the worst defender in the world. He was awful against the Bucks, but he quit in that series on us. So, I mean, yeah, you expect that. <laughs> um, but yeah. See, my my only concern for them is like the def well the defense obviously, but they've obviously improved. But if like one of them goes cold, let's say, is that enough for like another team to like beat them? Or do or do they do all three of them just even if like two of them go cold, is that still enough? And I'm not. I think that I think that just if Kevin Durant shoots well, but Harden and Kyrie don't, they could still and win Joe the game. And Joe Harris and Joe right. and Joe Harris shoots right. lights out. Oh, here's a good question, Paul. Yeah. What team do you fear in the East right right now the most? Um, the most? I might. We haven't even talked about the Bucs. <laughs> yeah, no, oh, right. The Bucs have. Have, have been bad on defense. Yeah, yeah, the Bucs, yeah. Bucs, I, 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 like, I kind of lost I, a lot of them. I'm going to keep this brief, in my opinion, Milwaukee, from what I've seen this year. The Bucks. I mean, they're going to be better in the playoffs than they've been in previous years, but I feel like I watch them and I'm, they're just, like, missing something. I don't know if it's just me, but, like, I kind of watch oh, Bogdanovich. Them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just kind of watch them and just, like, you know, they're good, but, I mean, let's be real, dude. The, 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 it was a bad omen for their season when they lost the first game on a bank and three-pointer. I mean, that's not a good start. But um, they did get blown out by thirty by us, which was shocked me early in the year. They're it's just so like, stupid how they're not. It's almost like they're just choosing not to defend the three. They keep collapsing into the paint yeah. for no reason. <laughs> well, Nick is about to roast Mike Budenholzer. Oh man, <laughs> he left. He left. The, the guy like in the fr- down the stretch of that game had so many good defenders on his team, and he chose to defend Jason Tatum with Pat Connaughton. Like, how the hell? Did he think that was going to work? Like, God, he's such a fucking idiot. Like, the only reason I give them a remote chance uh, to win the East is because they added Holiday. So, obviously, they'll be better in the playoffs. But, Paul, go yeah. ahead. So, if I don't know. If I had to pick one team, I would think, you know, we were talking about how big guys still pose a threat to the Nets. So, I, I'm still kind of worried about... Um, Julius Philadelphia. <laughs> Philadelphia. <laughs> as much as we're trashing them, and you know how you know they collapse in the playoffs and all of that, I still. Yeah, but Embiid has been. Yeah, MVP level Embiid is kind of a scary thought. It's not. It's not even a question. It's to me. It's Joe Embiid. I mean, yeah, yeah they feasted on bottom feeders, but that is a skill in the NBA to feast on bottom feeders. You know, like to take care of business. It's not easy to do that. Yeah, you know, especially this season with no fans. Yeah, and, and also job, and also like you know our one you know bright spot. I mean, I shouldn't say our one bright spot, but like you know one our one guy who would give me a lot of hope against the Sixers on defense. Like you know, Jared Allen had him beat in his pocket when last time he last time we played him with Jared on the team, and now he's gone. Obviously, so uh, it's going to be a little bit of a test for our best center, Bruce Brown, to handle Joel. <laughs> Yeah, like I, I just, I think the Steph Curry trade was great. I think yes. Philly has a, I think Ben Simmons has been a lot better in the past month than he was. Tobias Harris has been amazing. Tobias for Harris them. has been really good. A yep. sneaky great season. The Sixers overall, you know, I think have been a very good team. Um, the thing I question, like I said, 
they just beat Utah, but they kind of got lucky to do it, and they barely beaten anyone over 500. They've beaten less teams over 500 than the Celtics. I mean, that kind of says it all right there. I just – I mean, they're definitely better this year than in previous years. And if you were to ask me, you know, in all seriousness, if you were to ask me, like, am I worried if, like, the Celtics played Philly in round two, right? If you were to ask me that, I would – Tell you honestly, yeah, I'm a little worried of them now. I mean, they, they, I mean, I know we've been definitely worse than them in the regular season. This current Celtics team, as constructed, I think, yeah, you'd have to favor Philly right now. I mean, even yeah, with well, the mental edge, yeah. even well, with the mental are, edge. Sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, are you even gonna get out of the first round against us <laughs> this season? Maybe I don't, I don't even know. Man. I mean, nah, you guys you, have easily beat us. If you were, if you were to ask me four games ago, we wouldn't make it to the plan. So, I I was, you understand, after the loss to the Hawks, when we were literally from day one blown out, I began to question everything. I said, should we fire Ainge now? Should we fire Stevens now? Are they turning out the coach? I think the things started to turn around when there was this interview with Tatum. And I think this kind of like reaffirmed it. Like he, he still said, despite being 15 and 17, he said, I believe the roster we have right now is a contender. He said, I believe Brad Stevens is the coach. And I'm like, is the coach for us to win it all? And I'm like thinking like, dude, this is like so like he it's funny. I kind of want him to torch the team, but like he's just not, you know, he just won't do it. He's just such a good leader now that he just won't do it. Um, but from that, but since that point, obviously the team has been spectacular, but they just kind of found ways to win, which that's really all you ask for uh, in the NBA. Um, but Philly, yeah, as well, like they're just kind of Philly, just kind of they're beating all the bad teams. They're beating them easily. The thing I question is, are they like the Bucks last year? You know, like where they feasted on the bottom feeders, and when push came to shove, you know, they go in against the best teams, and you know, they choke. I think it's a very fair question. And on that note, <laughs> yeah, I mean, almost, guys, almost two hours here. <laughs> yeah, that was a long one. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I just, this has been a lot. This has been, I think, our longest podcast, probably. Yeah, about an hour 57. Damn. All right. Well, for the BX Basketball Podcast, I'm Nick Englander here with Paul Berry. And Christian Okay. Thanks for listening.